Amen. If you could ask God the Father one question, and you knew that you would get a direct answer, what would it be? If you could ask him one question, or maybe you would share one thing with the Father, and you knew that he would hear you, what would it be? I want you to think about that for a second. It's kind of hard to narrow it down to one thing, but if we would answer that, it would tell a lot about us. What is it that we're dying to tell the Father? What is it we're dying to ask the Father? It's interesting to think about what it is that's on our heart that we would say to God or that we would ask of Him. There's some uh, kids who have had some pretty interesting responses to what they would say to God. And so with some help from some parents and some help from some school teachers, here is a report of some preschool kids and some early elementary kids on their prayers and what they would ask of God or what they would say to God. Let me share a couple of them with you. Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works with my brother and I. Love, Larry. Dear God, is it true my father won't get into heaven if he uses his bowling words in the house? Love, Anita. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I was praying for was a puppy. Joyce. Dear God, if you watch me in church on Sunday, I will show you my new shoes. Mickey, dear God, we read that Thomas Edison made light, but in Sunday school they said that you did it, so I bet you he stole your idea. Sincerely, Donna. Dear God, please take care of my daddy and my mommy and my sister and my brother and my doggy and me. Oh, and and please take care of yourself, God. If anything happens to you, we're going to be in a big mess. Jimmy, dear God, I think about you sometimes, even when I'm not praying Elliot, dear God, I do not think anybody could be a better God than you. Well, I just wanted you to know that. But I'm not just saying it because you're already God, Charles. It's interesting to hear how kids would say to God what they want to say, what's on their heart. But I I want us to maybe turn the question around and, and, and think, what would God ask us? If he could ask us one question, if if he could ask us one thing, what is it that's on his mind? What makes him wonder? What makes him ponder? What makes God wonder? I want to share a teaching tonight entitled, What Makes God Wonder? And, And sometimes the sheer thought of that seems sacrilegious. I mean, God Almighty, does he wonder anything? Is there anything that perplexes him? What does God wonder about? Isaiah 59, verse 16. Why don't you pull out your notes and open your Bible to Isaiah 59, verse 16. This will be our anchor passage tonight, and we're going to be all over the Old and New Testament, but keep your thumb or your finger in this part of your Bible. Isaiah 59, verse 16 says this. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness, it sustained him. In the New International Version, it says, he saw that there was no one, and he was appalled. In the New King James, it says, he wondered. In the New Living Translation, it says, he wondered. The message puts it this way, God could not believe what he saw. 
God wondered why no one would intervene, why no one would intercede. He wondered why there wasn't a soul around. God wondered why no one would intercede. And that's what perplexed God the Father. That's what caused him to want to ask a question and say, where are my kids? Where are my people? There's no one here to intercede. Now listen to this. I I think it's in your outline. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. Just listen to this. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. God wondered who would intercede and, and God wonders who would stand in the gap. Write that in. Who would stand in the gap? What makes God wonder is where are his people? Where are the ones who would intercede on their behalf? Where are the ones who would stand in the gap? Now, how could man or woman have interceded? I mean, what did God actually long for man or woman to do? God wondered why no one would tap into the greatest power given to mankind. It's the power of prayer. What perplexed him was why there was nobody who would be willing to pray and intercede and stand in the gap in prayer for those around them. Now these were the days of the Old Testament when sacrifices for their sins were more important to some of them than prayer. For those who had lived a pretty sinful life, they were more concerned about their sacrifice than their crying out to God in prayer. This was before all of that. This was before the promises that Jesus gives about prayer, before Jesus' teachings about prayer. But we have even more than that. Listen to Romans 8.26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. It catches my attention tonight. What must God's wonder about us be like today? We're not living in the Old Testament where His Spirit has not been poured out upon us, where Christ has not been sacrificed on our behalf and opened a way to the Father with a personal relationship. God has to wonder, where are my kids when it comes time to pray? Number two, the question for us is, do we really believe in the power of prayer? Now, I know that if you're here on Sunday night, on Super Bowl Sunday, you didn't show up by accident. I mean, this is the core of the core, the, the cream of the crop, and, and it's, it's a Sunday school answer that you've given over and over. Do we believe in prayer? Well, the answer is yes. But do we really believe in the power of prayer? If we're honest, most of us confess that we believe in prayer, but it may be yet to be determined if we believe in the, the power. What is the power anyway? What is the power in prayer? Prayer is simply communicating with God and talking to Him and listening to Him and hearing from Him. But why is it that Christians are so defeated all across the country? Why are so many Christians living underneath the circumstances? It's because they pray so little. Why do so many church workers become discouraged and lose their passion for ministry? Because they pray so little. Why are there so few churches that are on fire for God and see the fresh new work of God? Because they pray so little. Jesus is just as powerful today as he was ever before. We can be sure of this, that the power of prayer is real. It's there. It's available to us. And God wonders why his kids don't pray. 
If God wondered in the days of Isaiah, we should not be surprised to see the days of Christ when he was on earth, God having a similar wonder. Listen to Mark 6, verse 6. Here's what it says. And he was amazed, Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. He could not believe how little they trusted him, how little faith they had. What could be more astonishing to Jesus? What could be more astonishing to the Father than practically a prayerless Christian? It it causes me to think, how often do I really press in and pray? How much time do you and I spend in prayer before the Lord? Sometimes these are thoughts that come into our mind, and I want to confess them for all of us. It doesn't mean that you're a horrible person. It doesn't mean that you're some screw-up. It's just an honest thought that some of us has. If there's a prayer meeting that's called, sometimes it goes through our mind, what would I do for an hour? Just pray for an hour? What would I do for a night of prayer? All night of praying? What would I do? Do do I have to say something? Do I have to be around somebody? Do I have to keep my mind focused? How often we're tempted to utter these thoughts. But we wonder what God would think of our questions. I think it's good to look at what God would wonder about us. Do we really enjoy prayer, or is it a duty, is it a drudge, is it some kind of checklist that we have? I want to sound the alarm clock for us, church, as as leaders here tonight, to wake up and to press into the power that God has given us in prayer. Do we really believe in the power of prayer? Well, Pastor Brady, quit saying that over and over. You've asked me like 35 times. Well, there will probably be 35 more, so just want to warn you. Now, let's look at Matthew 21, 22. It's asking us this question. The text is asking us this question. Jesus is speaking, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. I mean, do we really believe that that Jesus said that? I mean, it's in the Bible, but do we really believe it? Do we live like we believe it? It seems like in this verse that God's power is limitless in its availability to us. Isn't that true? Yes, it is true. That why don't we pray more? Here's two reasons why we don't pray more. There's probably a bunch, but here's two of them. Excuses and distractions. We make all kinds of excuses and we embrace all kinds of distractions that take us away from prayer. God's power through prayer is limitless, but we allow excuses and distractions and unbelief to imprison us. The devil is blinding our eyes. He longs for us to neglect prayer. And he begins to use excuses like these. I think a a top excuse is time. I I do not have time to pray. If we stop and think about that, all of us have 24 hours in a day, 7 days in a week, 365 days a year. And to say, God, creator of all time, you did not give me enough time to talk to you, probably doesn't ring too true in his ears. What we're saying when we don't have time, the excuse is saying, God, you haven't made the list. You haven't made the cut in my life. You haven't made the top ten of what's going on in my world. Sometimes it's an excuse. I don't know what to pray about. It's not that I don't want to talk to God. It's not that I wouldn't spend time. But, I mean, after four or five minutes of just kind of contemplating and and walking through all the things I could think about, and I prayed through my prayer list, and I prayed through the bulletin three or four times, and I've, I've thought about every person that I know, and I, I don't know what else to pray. And there's a legitimate question there. 
The scripture is going to talk to us about that, what to do, but that's an excuse. Sometimes we get so busy in doing things for God that we don't really want to talk to God. Now think about how that would go over at your house, with your family, with your spouse. You say, honey, I I can't talk to you today because I'm busy doing the the honey-do list. That may be a good thing for those of us who procrastinated too long and we have not got the summer job list done yet. That was a confession. I wanted to get that out in the open when everybody's here. So, so you can bring forgiveness to me, right? Very good. But, but if that would go on over and over and over, and, and I just want to do a task list, but I don't want to listen to you, I don't want to talk to you, it would not ring true in the heart of a loving relationship in a family. We can do all kinds of things for God, but if we're not willing to talk to Him, the question is, why are we doing those things? Is it for Him? Is it for ourselves? Is it for others to see us in a certain light? God wonders why His people are so prayerless. Other excuses is, you know what? I just, I'd rather read the Bible. I'd rather deal with something concrete and tangible that I can hold my hands and, and this is kind of a mystical thing and I'm not quite sure what to do with prayer and, and you know what? I think that's a good place to start. That could be an honest confession, but if you really read God's Word and you study His Word, His Word will drive you to prayer. Now, if you're reading His Word to memorize it, to manipulate God, to impress yourself, to impress others, to earn your way to Him, then then that may not happen. But if you're honestly reading His Word to be transformed and your mind to be washed and renewed, it will drive you and call you to prayer because Jesus called His disciples to prayer. God the Father called every one of the followers of Him to call out to Him in prayer. Sometimes, if we get real honest, we say, you know what, it's not that I don't want to pray, I just don't feel anything when I pray. Some people, they they talk about having this amazing prayer time, and and, and I just don't have those kind of times. I I want to feel God's presence. I I want to sense something supernatural from Him, but but I'm just going to be honest with you, Pastor Brady, I... I don't feel anything. It's like there's a, there's a wall. It's, it's a ceiling. It's, it's, it's dead. I, I just don't feel anything when I pray. Sometimes we, we don't pray because we're embarrassed. I don't know if you ever went through a phase, but lots of my junior high years was spent trying to be creative and praying for my meal to be okay with God and not have anybody know. It's the real quick, thanks God for my food. Oh, here's people coming. It's the times when we, we would pray, but, you know, I, I'm just not going to pray at work. And you don't understand my environment at work. And we deal with the uh, the black and white issues. I mean, it's income and outflow. It, it's all the pressures of sales. It's all those things. And to stop and pray at work, it just doesn't make sense. I, I can do that at home, but what if people would see me? Sometimes it's the thought of, I don't know if God really wants to hear me. It's a guilty conscience or it's shame that the enemy is putting on you. And you say, you know what? God doesn't want to hear from me anymore. I'm so burdened about some past disobedience or something that didn't go right or some inadequacy that I have that God surely doesn't want to hear from me. Sometimes I think it's an honest excuse or distraction that what if I say the wrong things? Have you been around somebody who just prays well? I want you to think about this. It gets someone in your mind. You, you've been around someone that when they pray, it's hard for you to pray because you're just like, oh, that rhymed. It sounds good. I need a dictionary. I need to figure out what you just said. It's just amazing. Now, some people, when they pray, you're just like, 
wow, was that a prayer? Was that a sermon? I think I want to take notes on their prayer. I want to study a little bit more. And, and whether it's sincere or not sincere from them, you're captivated by their prayer. And so when you think of praying, you go, well, I can't do that. These are excuses. These are, are distractions. And the Father wants to help us through these, but these are reasons why I think we don't pray. And there's hundreds more. But remember, the power in prayer comes through, write this in, God's strength, not ours. As we continue to walk through the scriptures here, we'll see that God is calling his people to pray, not in their own strength, not in their own vocabulary, not in their own smarts or wisdom, but in his strength, they can break through in the power of prayer. Romans 8.26 says this, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Is that in your outline? Is that, that verse written down there for you? If not, you need to write that down. I love that verse. That helps me so much. Have you been in a situation where you're talking to someone and you have no idea what to say? Have you been in a situation when you're praying and you're calling out to God, you, you have no idea what to say? God is not disappointed, and God is not surprised. He never expected you to be this great linguist before Him, to be this great lawyer of an argument that you build before God. The Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf and will help you know what to pray for. Sometimes when I pray, I say, God, I'm here to pray. And I, I got nothing. You, you got to help me pray. God, I'm here to pray and, and I want to pray, but I want to want to pray. But I don't really want to. But I'm choosing to pray right now and, and so God help me want to pray. But when we're honest before him, he intercedes on our behalf. And, and what makes God wonder is when he's doing all these things for us to open up this greatest power given to us in prayer. Why are so many Christians prayerless? We've got to ask God to give us the strength to pray. I believe that when my life is over, I'll look back over my life and out of everything in my life, I'll probably wonder why did I not pray more? I want to make it a priority to pray and that's a part of my spiritual discipline and pattern of life and rule of life. But I have a hunch that I'll get to the end of my life and say, why did I not pray more? And I don't want to get to the end and, and, and have all those regrets. So I want to learn as much as I can. Father, teach me how to pray without ceasing. Number three, write this in. Jesus placed a high priority on prayer. Now, we're going to look at a passage here in John 14. You may want to turn to that. We'll be in John 14, 15, and 16 in a second. But Jesus is teaching on prayer, and he puts a high priority on prayer. That's why it needs to be important to us. Now, Jesus taught this principle over and over and over, and still so many of them missed it. I love reading the disciples. I had a friend tell me the other day of one of their family members was reading through the New Testament, and, and the, the friend said to me, my family member said, the disciples are so dense. Yeah, it wasn't the exact terms, but it was something like that. I, I can't believe that they didn't get it. Over and over they didn't get it, and that's what's happening right here. Look at John 14, starting at verse 12. Through 14. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now this is take one. Okay? 
And Jesus is teaching these disciples, and, and, and we don't have any reason to believe that, you know, half of them were sick that day, or they were out on vacation. Uh, they, they all were hearing Jesus' teaching. They were around. But we go down just a few verses later, it, it's take two. I mean, that take one was a pretty powerful paragraph. I mean, do we really believe this? We can pray anything in his name and he will do it. This is not my wish list or my greed list, but when my heart is aligned with his and I pray things in his will, he will do it. Now, theologians try to sometimes dance around this and come up with reasons why, you know, that's kind of a, an old thing or it's done or God doesn't work that way anymore. And, and sometimes I just want to go, come on, guys, do we believe God's word or not? Now, we don't manipulate this and, and say, God, I'm going to twist your arm. Who are we to think we could twist God's arm? I was counseling with a guy one time, and uh, he's three or four states away, and, and uh, he confessed that he took this verse, and God said, if I ask anything in his name, he'll, he'll give it to me. And so he went out and bought a Camaro on his credit card. And he thought, well, this has got to be God's will. Uh, I want it, and so I asked for it, and they accepted my card. And as we prayed together, and I thought, wow, there's a bumpy road coming ahead, we kind of misunderstood in a huge way what it means to pray in his name. It's not just what I want. It's not just if it's possible to make it happen somehow. But God, would you transform my heart to pray the things that you want to happen? If I'm asking in your name, then that means that you are on board with this. So part of praying this powerful prayer is saying, Jesus... What do you want me to pray? What do you want me to want? What do you want me to intercede for? God the Father was looking for someone to stand in the gap, looking for someone to intercede and couldn't find anyone. And how many times we treat prayer as our cosmic Santa Claus list before him and not our crying out to him. Well, take two. Jesus was pretty clear in this first passage and with these words. But listen to what he says. He goes on and he like repeats himself. John 15, verse 7 through 8. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. I mean, he just said this. He just taught on this. But he wants to expand. He says, now, if you remain in me, if you remain connected to me, if you remain plugged into me, if I am your life source, if I am your boss, the leader of your life, ask what you wish. If you let me curtail and help Carve out the desires that you have in your heart. Ask what you wish, and it will be given to you. Jesus then tells them again. He says, guys, did you hear me? He urges his disciples with his command to ask. In John fifteen fourteen, he even tells them that one sign of being his friends will be the obedience to his commands in all things. If you really are my friend, if you really love me, if you're really my disciple, you will obey my command. And the command I've given to you is to pray in my name and ask for me to move and to work. One would think that Jesus had made it clear enough that his disciples would would want to pray, understand that they needed him to pray, that he chose to not move without their prayers many, many times. But he does take three. Look at John 16, 23 and 24. He returns to the subject again. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. 
I mean, at this point, it's kind of comical to me. I mean, it's, it's the same book. It's a number of verses apart. Surely they are getting it. But yet, we can look at the disciples with such a condescending eye and finger and say, how dense are they? But what would the Father ask of us? They find themselves in a jam and then they cry out to me. But once it's smoothed over, I may not hear from them again. Uh, they thank me for the food, or they, they pray at a birthday time, or they pray on Sundays, or they pray before they start something. It's kind of like a bumper or a buffer at the beginning and end of our gatherings. But when do we pour our heart out to God in prayer? When do we press into His presence in prayer? Never before has Jesus laid such stress on any promise, I wonder, as one like this. This is one of the most wonderful promises ever made to man, and yet most Christians practically ignore it now think about this is this really true when jesus says ask anything in my name and i will do it i've already talked about the qualifying aspects of asking in his name and remaining to him but do we really believe this is true the exceeding greatness of this promise seems to overwhelm us yet we know that he is god and we know he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than what we could ever ask for or imagine according to ephesians three twenty. In John 16, 24, Jesus tells us that our very joy depends on this. If you feel like you have a lack of joy, if life seems to be a drudge, if you don't have the energy to get through your day, are you asking God to intervene? Are you asking for God to teach you how to cry out to him? This verse tells us that our joy depends on it. We are filled with joy when we see his answers to prayer. The devil makes us believe that we can do more on our own and our own efforts than by our prayers. We believe through the devil's lies that there's more that can be done by the work of men than by our communion with God the Father in prayer. The twelve disciples, these men, followed Jesus. They discovered early on they'd been around prayer. They knew what prayer was and They've even prayed themselves, but they saw that Jesus had something that they didn't have in prayer. And so they cried out, Lord, teach me to pray. Luke 11.1, 1, that's what it says. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now Jesus didn't object to their question. He didn't make them feel like an idiot. He didn't say, guys, come on, did you not hear anything I've been saying? Did you not watch? Did you not see? No, he's excited and he presses in and he teaches them. We find a similar passage in Matthew 6, 5, and 6. Listen to this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. A couple thoughts here on on how to pray when Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. One may be, write it down, letter A, pray secretly. Now for those of us who are shy to pray in public, uh, before we get too excited, this is not saying that prayers in public are wrong or discouraged. In fact, all throughout the New Testament we saw that they gathered together and they broke bread together and they prayed and they held to the apostles' teaching daily. 
So we see scripture talks about gathering and prayer in public, but what Jesus is talking about here is the people who love to pray just for the audience. Just for those who hear them pray. Just for the idea that somebody thinks they're spiritual. Now go back to that person who you were thinking of that prays awesomely. Sometimes we're so discouraged in prayer because we're not really focusing in on talking to God. We're focusing in on how we sound to others when we talk to God. I wonder if I could sound that smart. I wonder if I could, could flow and move in prayer the way they do. I, I wonder if, if I could be as eloquent as they are in prayer. And God the Father is saying, what are you worried about? Jesus' teaching says, don't be like those hypocrites who love to pray on the street corners, who love to just be heard by everybody because they're praying so everyone could be impressed with them and impressed with their prayers. Jesus says, why don't you try praying in secret? Not that you can't pray with other believers, not that you can't pray in public, but when you can pray in your closet, in the secret place, when you can cry out to the Father when no one else is around, you can make sure your heart is right. We learn to pray... In our private time with the Lord. And then prayer oozes out everywhere else. But if I only want to pray when you gather with me, then it's subject of why do I really want to pray? Is it because I just like to hear you or I like to be around you or or I want to have a, a friendship thing going on? Or is my prayer really a gripe session? You've been in those prayer times. Oh, before we pray, I just need to tell you about Susie. And all the horrible things about her. Now, we, we want to pray for her. This isn't gossip. We're just praying for her. Oh, did you hear what happened to Tommy? I, I tell you, what a mess it is. We need to pray for him. And then I just gush all this gossip. Am I really praying or am I wanting to share the juicy tidbits? Jesus says, try praying in secret first. Jesus also challenges them in this passage to pray sincerely. Mean what you say. Not only did Jesus tell his disciples to pray in secret to test their motives, but he also told them to pray sincerely. Don't keep on babbling, he said. It's easy for us to use church and religious words and phrases and terms because we're comfortable with them, because we make us feel like we're really connecting with God. And and we string some sentences together and we're not even thinking about the implications. Here's one of my favorites. When we go to McDonald's and you have sitting before you the Big Mac supersized meal and we say, Father, thank you for this food and bless it to my body and allow the nutrients to help me do your work today. I wonder if God laughs and wants to say, Brady, are you really concerned about the nutrients for your body? If you are, maybe you should take back the Big Mac and get a salad. Now, I'm not saying if you have a Big Mac that there's a problem. There's, I guess, a place for that every now and then or whatever. Some of you have a whole thing against McDonald's. uh, And I understand you don't like that. But when we pray, are we even thinking about the words that we say? Are we even thinking about what comes out of our mouth? Be sincere in what we pray. Sometimes I think our prayers are like courtesy conversations. You've heard of a courtesy laugh, right? Someone tells a joke and it's not that funny and it's kind of awkward and so you kind of laugh out of courtesy for them. Or you don't quite get it or or you weren't really listening when you should have been listening so you just kind of chuckle along. A courtesy conversation, those conversations you have with somebody, you're not really paying attention to them. It's an awkward moment in an elevator. You're passing them by in the mall or or whatever it is, and and they say something to you, and you just respond, and it's a courtesy conversation. I wonder how many of our prayers is just a courtesy conversation to God. Oh, God, it's time to go to bed. 
all the families here, so we better pray. And so, hey, God, thanks for the thanks for the day. Thanks for the food. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub or whatever it may be. You know, preschool prayers are great for preschoolers. But I wonder what God thinks when we've been living for him for decade upon decade and we can't even pour our heart out to him. When he says it's not about your vocabulary, we need to pray sincerely, pray from our heart. God wants us to be transparent before him. It, it doesn't make much sense to be fake or superficial when God already knows. You may be able to fool me or your friends or your spouse, but God knows when your heart's not in it. Why fake it? Unless you're praying for somebody else's benefit. The third Jesus would teach us about prayer is to pray specifically. Pray specifically. When we pray specifically, it encourages our heart, and and I believe it unleashes God's power to not only move on our behalf, but also to encourage and stretch our faith. Here's a question. Do you even remember what it is you prayed about last time you prayed? I mean, if God would answer your prayer specifically tonight, I mean, boom, answer your prayer, would you even know it? Do you even know what you asked God for? Do you even know what it is you prayed? If he would divinely move right now in the snap of my fingers and answer your prayers, would you even know? Or do we pray so vague that it's impossible to know? God, would you just help the world and everybody who's hurting in the world? Well, will I even know? Is there anything that impacts my heart? Do I allow my heart to be broken for the things that break God's heart? Matthew 6, 9-13, we see Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It probably should be called the Disciples' Prayer. But it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Teaching us how to pray specifically. Tonight, my intention is not to give a clinic or a seminar or a sermon on how to pray, but coming back to the question of what makes God wonder. Why are his kids so prayerless? Where is the church when it's time to step up in prayer? You know, I, I have a hunch that it may not be that God just wonders why we pray so little. But it may be God wondering why we could ever get up from our knees once we start to pray. If we really saw the needs that are in our home and in our loved one's lives, we couldn't help but pray. If we saw the true needs of our church and our church leaders, we couldn't help but pray. If we saw the real needs of the lost around us, the needs in our city and our state and our country and the world around us, if we saw those needs and our heart broke for the things that broke God's heart, how could we get up from our knees in prayer? Jot this reference down. I don't think it's in your notes. It's Romans ten twelve. But to share his riches, we must pray. For the same Lord is rich unto all that call upon him. You see, God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory, according to Philippians 4.19. And Romans 10.12 tells us to share his riches, we must pray. He has so much for us, but we need to pray. As we wrap up tonight, I want to ask you, what will prayer look like in your life in 2013? Will you make prayer a priority? Will prayer be something that's at a deeper level? In your life. As I shared earlier, 
um, I appreciate your heart. You're here when the culture says there's other things that you could or should or whatever would be doing. But you're saying, no, I'm making an on-purpose, conscious choice to be in the house of God tonight. Whether it's because your heart is hungry or your heart is tied to ritual or habit, you know, I'll let you decide on that. But God wants to hear from you. God wants to unleash his power in your life through the power of prayer. And I want to challenge you not to allow the excuses and distractions to let 2013 be like so many other years that we've experienced. Now, I'm not suggesting in any way tonight that you or I have never prayed. You or I have never, ever broken through in prayer. But what I'm asking is, do you think there's any room for us to pray more? Is there any room in our life to tap into the power of prayer at a new level? Not where we manipulate God or we have some kind of hocus-pocus push buttons and A7 and outcomes from the vending machine, what we wanted God to do for us. That's not what I'm talking about. But would there be an intimacy with the Father as we pray without ceasing, day in and day out, beginning to see our faith rise? Our joy is increased when He answers our prayer. Can God answer our prayers? Are we praying and are we praying in His name? Here's a challenge for you. At Grace Point, you have a plethora of opportunities to pray with other believers. There is a group that meets every Tuesday morning for men. There's a group that meets on Friday. There's a prayer gathering every Wednesday night. If, if you have never prayed with a group of people, or you haven't done that in a long time, uh, someone help me. It's in a room over here. Vicki, what room are we in? Exactly, 36. Do you think I didn't know? I still don't know room numbers. But it, it's over here. If I just keep walking in a square, I find where I'm supposed to go. Just keep looking until you find a group of people who are praying. Join us on Wednesday night if you don't have a place. Now, if you're in the choir, stay there. If you're committed to age level ministry, stay there. But join us as we pray together. Pastor Brady, didn't you say we're supposed to pray in secret? Well, if you're wondering about your motives and your heart, why don't you try praying before your father in your closet at home and allow your heart to be really wanting to touch him and allow him to touch you. But once you know you're praying with the right motive, come and join and let's pray together. Could 2013 be the year where you would break through in the power of prayer with a brother or sister? We have a group of men that meet on Friday mornings. Soon our Thursday morning group will meet up again. We've got a number of women's groups that meet for prayer. And and check your bulletin, you'll see some of those. Call into the church office. Now those are places you can pray with brothers and sisters here at Grace Point. But guess what? We're not the only Christians who pray. Some of you work with people, they may not call Grace Point home, but they call Jesus Lord and Savior. Why don't you pray at work with them? Why don't you pray in your neighborhood? Why don't you pray in the PTA, in the school around you? Why don't you make it a pattern in your home, your family? For me and my house, not only will we serve the Lord, but we will talk to the Lord that we serve. It could be more than just a quick sentence before we go to bed. 2013 could be the year. That we take Jesus at his word, believing that what he said, he meant to say. Like sometimes we, we treat the Bible as, oh, Jesus just had a brain lapse. He just kind of said a bunch of stuff that sounded holy, but, I mean, is he really going to make good on it? Ask anything in my name and it will be given to you. Over and over again in John 14 and 15 and 16, he said it over and over and over. You check it out this week, you read it. As usual, don't just take it because I'm saying it. Look at what God's Word says. I believe this could be the year that God wants to bring rich joy to our hearts 
as we tap into the power of prayer. And maybe we can begin to understand what it means when we've said and taught the phrases ourselves that we can do more on our knees crying out to God in prayer than we can do laboring in our own strength. Now don't misunderstand me. Some can use prayer as an excuse or a crutch and, and they'll never ever ever put action to the prayers that they pray and they'll never live in obedience. There's a time when we pray and God answers and we need to go do what he's told us to do. And I think some can, can twist that. But friends, there's an overwhelming mass of us that that's not our danger. We're not in danger of, of praying too much. We're not in danger of crying out to God too much. We're not in danger for most of us of, of laying flayed open before our daddy and saying, teach me to be the man or woman you called us to be. Most of us, our danger is, oh, yeah, God, by the way, thanks for watching me do everything today. This could be the year that God begins to give you that joy. I want to thank you for your appreciation and Pressing in. I don't know if we can have a teaching like this from God's Word and like just walk out of here without praying. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what makes God wonder why people don't pray? All right, good night, see ya, we won't pray. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like Brad and the musicians to come up and you just play whatever you want, whatever's on your heart. And uh, as they come up and they're playing something, I want us to take just a moment or two. To ask God to speak to us. I want to lead us through a time of prayer. And, and we're not going to tarry here forever in a real long time. And, and if you need to go in any of our services, if you need to go, you go. I, I'm not holding you hostage. I want you to know that. You don't offend me. Most of the time when I'm up there, I can't even see you past the first two rows. So everybody but Terry in this row is safe tonight when I was up there. But as we pray, let's allow God, to stir up something in our heart that could maybe transform us for not just 2013, but the rest of our life.